You're listening to the Opening Statements Podcast brought to you by HyperChat Social, the podcast bringing you real lawyers and their real stories. I'm Laura. I'm Rebecca. I am producer Evan. And this week, our guest is Joe English, an attorney specializing in employment law. He is a partner at Taylor English, a best lawyer in America since 2015, and a Georgia super lawyer since 2014. Yeah, and today, his most prestigious honor, he joins the Opening Statements podcast. Court is now in session. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> We're I appreciate so excited it. to have you. You're our first employment lawyer we've had on the show. And so, I guess just to get us started, for those of those that don't know what employment law is, break it down for us. Sure. So uh, employment law is basically anything that affects the relationship between the employer and the employee. So um, I do um, what's called management side. I do the employer side Mm -hmm. of employment law, which means I help companies and businesses and um, executives with... um, different issues that arise in the workplace, putting the right policies in place, helping them enforce them evenly, trying to keep them out of trouble, and then if they get in trouble, um, defending them um, as needed. Mm. Gotcha. And and helping them avoid repeating the trouble. There you go. That's the key. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They don't need to pay you twice. (laughs) Well, hey, (laughs) now. So how did you find yourself in this vertical? And were you ever, did you ever practice a different area of law beforehand? I did. So when I was uh, first out of law school in 1988. um, I think you wanted a reaction there. We weren't giving you. I was not going to give it to you. Stony face. It was Before not that long ago, my were born, I when I started practicing I was law. born, <laughs> depending, on the, depending on the month. <laughs> I was born. Only one in this room. I was not. <laughs> nope. Uh, so, I, well, yeah. Well. So, I was uh, in Philadelphia. That was my first job out of law school. And it was with a firm that did mostly commercial litigation. So, I would be on a commercial case, company A suing company B. And I was, you know, the fifth lawyer down on the file mm-hmm. in that. So <laughs> yeah. I did that for a couple of years. And then there was one guy in that firm who um, was, he was sort of like a fish out of water yeah. in there. Um, but he kind of worked by himself, but he needed help. So I'm like, well, I can be the fifth person on files over here where... Maybe in four years or five years, I'll be the fourth person. Or I can go over and work for this guy who's doing it by himself and needs help, and he's the employment lawyer. So ah. I started, I just went over to him. And then only later did I realize, oh, this was actually a pretty good move. I like this. You like it. Yeah. Very interesting. What was your path to from there to where you are now? So that was in, uh, in Philly, as I said. Um, so I worked for this this guy for maybe a year and then the firm exploded or imploded probably imploded um (laughs) and a couple different firms arose out of that and i didn't want to go with any of the various um remnants that were left so i went and worked for a different firm but by that time i'd already decided probably not staying in philadelphia so i did i worked litigation again for a year but with an eye toward getting down uh, to Atlanta, so. 
Interesting. And so the the firm you have now, is that when you started? Yeah. So when I first moved to Atlanta, I was with there was there's a national there are some boutiques, national boutiques, hundreds and hundreds of lawyers, dozens of offices. All they do is management side employment law. So when I moved to Atlanta, it was to work for one of those boutiques. So I did that for 15 years. Wow. Um, and then the longer, shorter version of the story, uh, I ended up joining with Mark Taylor, who was starting a firm. He was also an employment lawyer. I'd known him for a long time and uh, wanted to get involved with building something from the ground up and um, trying to grow it. It was sort of a bit of a entrepreneurial itch I guess and yeah. uh, so no it had nothing to do with really where I was not being happy just the opportunity to try something different so, so I jumped yeah so if you're talking to another attorney who's maybe considering making that jump and going out on their own what would you say are some kind of key areas they should look for in a potential partner mm-hmm Trust is the most important thing. This was somebody who I had known for years. Mm-hmm. He had a stellar reputation, not just in the legal community, but just as like a you know good stand-up dude, right? Yeah. So um, that was super important to me because I knew that no matter what, this guy would have my back and I would have his back and we could kind of make decisions from there. So I would say don't do it just for the money because Mm -hmm. you can you can chase the money in a new opportunity and end up with somebody you really don't want to practice with and uh maybe you're making more money but maybe you're miserable you're miserable bad trade Mm -hmm. for we have listeners that are not in the legal space Mm -hmm. so when you think about a partner do you guys share cases together like what is the impact of a partner to partner in the practice sure so We've grown. We were small then. Mm-hmm. Um, we're big now. We're like 180 lawyers and in 15 states. I'm and, sorry. What? Yeah. You have 180 lawyers. 180 lawyers. Yeah. So we started small, 16 years ago, I guess. Yeah. And it's incredible. I've grown it. Yeah. To this, and a couple of years ago, we before COVID, we said, let's try to grow it outside of Atlanta with mm. looking for some good lawyers out there and. People wanted to do what we were doing the way we were doing it. So we started opening not physical offices, but mm-hmm. adding lawyers in space in different different cities, which was great for our clients. And it was great for these lawyers to because a lot of them were like us. They had left kind of the big corporate shop. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're in a way a big shop now, but we don't yeah. Think, yeah. we don't <laughs> think that way. And that's that's super important um, yeah. to us. Uh, so a lot of people just were looking to do something different. They, I think when they talk to us, they feel kind of the authenticity and that we actually have fun in what we do and we don't take it too seriously. I mean, in any interview that I've been in, um, almost invariably somebody is going to quote a movie. Yeah. Like you're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get a stepbrother. That'll quote. be Evan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And part of it actually is 
Oh, Evan? Oh, I was going to say, are you guys hiring? <laughs> hey. Just kidding. We know a lawyer. Hey, we're hiring for a new producer. No. <laughs> you have to come to the interview in a tuxedo and bring somebody else with That's you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's kind of a tag team situation. Yeah. So we'll drop movie quotes to see if, like, it's a just so that, well, they need to know kind of what they're getting into is, hey, you know, we're, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We take service and clients seriously, but, yeah. um, you know, being a lawyer is hard. And um, if, if you don't like the people you work with, it just uh, makes it harder. Yeah, it makes it way harder. So I totally agree. That's crazy. So 16 years, over 180 lawyers in the firm. How many states do you have representation in? I think we're in 15 now. So, but most of our lawyers are here in. Are in here in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Really? Wow. Um, we just opened our first physical office down in Miami. So, oh, cool. Well, great fun. place. Was that a, another yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, do you get to go down there often? Yeah, I need to. You do. <laughs> yeah, you need a little vacation. What would you say, like, like, flashback to 16 years ago and you started? What was the biggest challenge then? And what is the biggest challenge now? Ooh. So, the biggest challenge then was we were new, we were an unknown. All people knew was the place we came from. And so we had our personal brands, our reputations, uh, but we were untested, right? And the name wasn't familiar or anything like that. So in the beginning, the hardest part was getting people. We are in a very risk adverse profession, mm -hmm. lawyers in general. You guys have interviewed a bunch. You can, yeah. you actually probably are interviewing ones who, are a little more out there, but uh, <laughs> we're as a rule pretty um, risk adverse. Yeah. So it's trying to convince people to actually take the jump that they kind of want to take, but they kind of af are afraid to fail on it. Yeah, and it doesn't come naturally. Yeah, they're and in the profession of, of yeah of avoiding that. Yeah, so they could <laughs> yeah. stay at their firm and they know that they will have their safe career yeah they know what the upside will look like but they probably for the most part know what the downside looks like too so yeah. you're going to take that path and it's a good path a lot of people do it but it's not for everybody mm -hmm. um the board you want to try something where your upside is uncapped and yeah. you bet on yourself and try, once yeah. you get people to into the mindset of betting on themselves they really embrace it and i think that's why we've grown and it's not like add two lawyers lose two lawyers add two lawyers lose i think people come and they stay because they once they're doing it they like the idea of betting on themselves um they get comfortable with it and i, I think you get treated more like a, a professional who's an, an adult you know um and i think people once they get the feeling of it they like it. They get a taste. They want to keep doing that. So that's kind of how we've grown. That's what I would say. Yeah. So you represent the management, the employer side of it. Do you find, or is it both really, they're coming to you at the beginning stages of either setting up their companies, getting all of their legal agreements in place, or is it a lot of, hey, um, we have this issue <laughs> and we're hoping you can look at everything yeah. and, you know. Where do you see them coming from? Yes, I get a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, just uh, to be clear, our firm does 
everything for businesses. Oh, yeah. I do employment, and there's probably mm. 17, mm. 18 of us that do it. Mark is another one, Mark Taylor. Um, but our firm does all kinds of law. Oh, but, really? Yeah. But, okay. Uh, to your question, the companies or the businesses or the business can come from startups, people who are just kind of have an idea and are ready to get going. Uh, they it's more likely will come from something that's a little bit established mm-hmm. and they're they're growing, their problems are getting a little more complex. As you get bigger, there's more laws that apply to you that mm. once you hit like 15 employees and all of a sudden these different laws apply and then 20 more and then 50 more. So you um, you end up with more issues and l- fewer things that you can handle yourself. Yeah. You end up needing more sophisticated policies mm-hmm. than what you had before. So those are the kind of things that we can help a client grow with them as they get um, they get a little more sophisticated and um, matured as an employer and yeah, not, not like a startup. Yeah, I gotcha. If there was like one thing that sticks out in your head that you wish maybe some of these companies and employers knew ahead of time, like is there like a big red flag that you're like, oh, you're not the only one who's been in this boat. <laughs> we love you know? big red flags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one big red flag that we hear a lot, particularly from kind of family-owned businesses um, or businesses that started out family-owned and then grew, but they're still f- they're still family run is not wanting to have a handbook because mm. well we don't want to like tell the employees too much you know uh, they think that the handbook is there as just creating rights for employees and that's not the case of what it really does is it just puts in black and white the kind of relationship that the employer and employee should have anyway yeah it's so, like you might as well write down what their vacation days are and, you know, what mm-hmm. holidays you have and that you expect people to come to work on time because you're going to fire somebody for not coming to work on time. And then, you know, it's always nice to have it in writing. Well, I didn't know that it was really important to be here. That's interesting. Do you yeah. find there are like when... <laughs> I when, didn't know that was part of the job requirement. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a business that starts like family owned and expands, do you find that there's like boundaries and stuff that, uh, you know, end up being crossed that are maybe not professionally appropriate? Like, is that pretty common? It's It can be a real issue in family owned businesses, particularly intergenerational. Mm. Um, but the... <laughs> look, the... People who are running the company have a lot of leeway, especially in Georgia, in the way they do things. Hmm. Um, There are certain, you know, you can't do things that are illegal, but you can you can fire anybody for a good reason, a bad reason or no reason, just not an illegal reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, family owned businesses, I think, can be particularly susceptible to that. And what is a really difficult position is you're an HR person and you are trying to help a family-owned business stay inside the lines, you know, and they kind of don't like having to take direction from anybody. Oh, sure. Because part of what made them successful is they just make all the decisions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they don't like hearing that, like, well, you should really document if this person is getting to work late before you fire them because... Um, if they sue you, 
you know, they're going to point to somebody else who came late and you didn't do anything to it. So if you don't have any documentation, it kind of looks like you're, you didn't take it seriously. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So I'd say documentation is one of the things that I wish companies, um, companies probably wish they Had took to more seriously, but it's very hard when you're running a, particularly a small business to, and you you have this camaraderie to like write people up. That's, I mean, I think I've even had that conversation. My husband and I own a separate business and we're like, where do we even write it at? Like, 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 where do you put word? it? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, word. I mean, like, where, where, do, where do we put it? Like, and then you just save it, it in a save file. Yeah. And you're like, Rebecca, this is, re yeah. yeah. But yes. I, I think it's like a legitimate thing there. Like, you almost feel silly because it'll be like, Rebecca and I had the conversation. It's, you know, whatever. But we've been told that, like, oh, no, you, you should you really follow it up. documented it somewhere. Like, it being in your text messages it feels weird may sometimes. not be enough for you. But yeah. it does. It feels a little bit weird from a smaller mm -hmm. office environment, especially, to be like, oh, hang on. Yeah, let me type we it up. We talked about this, and now I'm sending it to you, and you have to sign it and acknowledge it. Yeah. It so feels actually, adversarial. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. That's actually would be my question. Like, do they have to sign off on it? Nope. Like, so you could just write it up. This happened. I had a conversation with Rebecca. We talked about this, and I'm just putting it in my file. Employee refused to sign. Ah. Hmm. Put it in the okay. file. In the old days, there was a personnel file. It was literally like a manila file yeah. that just had all the stuff in it. There's like... <laughs> I think I do have a manila file. <laughs> I have yellow files on yeah. everybody. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so popular question we ask everybody. If you weren't doing law, what would you be doing? I don't know now. Um, when I was younger, I was pretty sure I was going to be a professional baseball player. So yeah. oh. I didn't really have a backup plan. And then when I didn't make my high school team, like, oh, no. that's fine. <laughs> the path to the pros is going to be a little more difficult for me since I got cut from Little League in my high school oh, team. No. So. Yeah, Did not you... making JV is not a great sign. Yeah. Late Did... bloomer. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a baseball team you wanted to be on? Uh, when I was a kid, it was the Yankees. I grew up in upstate New York, and it was, uh, it was yeah. definitely the Yankees then. Okay. Yeah, I definitely would have needed to make the high school team then. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah a little Jeter, bit, at, least, at the uh, least. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even for the it's money. A very that just felt like response <laughs> though is an athlete. Is an athlete sports yeah. pastor. Yeah, it is for sure. I don't know if that's like the the competitiveness maybe in like lawyers' natures. You know, I don't know what it is, but it's a common response we get. You know what I would say to me? It was the camaraderie of. A team. a team, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which and maybe I've found a way to fulfill that by you have definitely sounds like it, yeah. I, that I like, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, more than baseball team. winning, which I guess there's some winning in what we do, but I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's winning and there's learning. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. So, but it, I would say you know really it's just surrounding myself with people that I want to be around, and you get a lot of that from being a team so yeah um you know so astronaut was out obviously because i don't even know how much they get to talk to each other okay. <laughs> it's not your thing yeah. not your vibe and no. you didn't make the high school astronaut team either <laughs> <laughs> now you're bringing Soon. up a painful memory <laughs> That's hard okay <laughs> they turned him away wow, you guys camp. went really deep into my bio <laughs> 
did you fail oh, at? Yeah. Uh, Wait, you you have a lot of sheets of paper there. Yeah. <laughs> what are your four like, biggest well, failures? Hold on, I got Baseball, you. astronaut, <laughs> football. And Rebecca will bring them up. <laughs> Once they're in her brain. I have no shame. You listen to, to Paul Simons, you know. <laughs> you can't golf. <laughs> So we're still Boy, I heard this? that. I, I got to see his golf swing now. <laughs> he doesn't have one. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. I know. Mm. I um, so <laughs> in this new digital age, have you seen social media play a big factor in employment law and cases and situations that you're dealing with? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's a it's a from hiring mm-hmm. uh, right through post-termination hmm. now like the whole life cycle of an employee there are there's a lot of social media um it just touches everything Average. right um people are an extension of your brand mm-hmm. and especially yes. linkedin now looks a lot like facebook somehow yeah it's and a lot more people social. have really yeah they've really uh, changed the bar on what they will post about and but they're also on LinkedIn, they're tied with an employer in a way that even, you know, maybe on Facebook. Yeah, they they're may not, not be. But people talk they go on Facebook and they type in stuff about um, something they saw at work that day or a customer being shitty to them. You know, oh, can I yeah. say you can, Please. You can okay. say that. Yeah. We insist. We're trying to earn that E rating. <laughs> <laughs> My mom would be so proud. <laughs> We're PG 13. We get one F bomb. All right. I'm going to save it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> save it to the end. <laughs> the very end. I'd like to reserve that. Having a great day. Yeah. <laughs> <Beep>. <laughs> great effing day. <laughs> okay, so it does. It really does. So is that part of like where the maybe the handbook could come into play because you can help dictate or at least acknowledge in writing what you accept and do not accept in yeah. a public forum? That's right. Yeah. So there are social media policy is part of um, most employers' handbooks now, I would say. And um, what they don't want you to do is express things that relate to the business mm-hmm. in your person and have it bleed over. Like you Yes. Can... Your opinion's your opinion. Yeah. Not ours. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. This is not the opinion of HyperChat Social. Yes. <laughs> so on the social media side of things, do you ever see cases where – Maybe they're not super explicit about, oh, I was at work today and this happened, but maybe they comment something that is in support of something where you're like, mm, I think they're supporting something a little gray. Yeah, a lot of it comes down to how much monitoring is done of people's social media. And it's not as nearly as much as you might think, I don't think. I, mean, yeah, I think it's no. more likely to come up somebody goes to HR and makes a complaint about something that somebody put on uh, yeah. whatever. I know they were talking about me and you know, How do they you said know? I'm lazy. Yeah, I know. So you end up that's being what we call you. like Facebook <laughs> police, right? Yeah. So that's where it's more likely to come up, I think, is it just becomes a a tool or a piece of evidence or in a dispute either between coworkers or a boss and a um, employee that kind of thing. And then you're, you know, okay, now are we, you know, scouring somebody's social media? Is this what we're, that's what we're, is this what we're down to? That's is what, that what we're, we're doing we're, today? That's where we are. Sleuthing. Yeah. yeah. Love that. I gotcha. Is there any like rules against, because I know 
people, um, in case there is a rule against it, just a friend, um, like family. Friend. I mean, I would think social media it's public, so I think a lot of probably, you know, recruiters and employers use that as a tool to look someone up, you know, when they're in the hiring process, and you can probably make, you know, decisions right away. There is there any pros cons allowed, not allowed with using social media as a pre-hiring <laughs> screen. Anything that's, yeah. yeah, anything that's out in public is sort of fair game. And that's yeah. something that, you know, you kind of wish younger people understood when they do what it is they do yes. um, on social media now. But it's definitely a part of, um, I would say, recruiters use it as a tool. Um, just like in um, schools use it when looking at Athletes, like, what are we getting here? Because everyone that you bring on is an extension of your brand, and they can either be accretive to your brand, um, enhance it, or they can detract from it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. When you guys hire someone, even especially you guys, because obviously running a social media marketing agency, yeah. uh, how much social media do you guys look at? Everything. I look at it all. Everything? Yeah. I do. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we like to know what your likes are, your dislikes are. We want to know how you present yourself. Yeah. Because hmm. at the end of the day, like you said, you are an extension of us. I do. I think I more pay attention to that. Like, how do they represent themselves mm -hmm. on social media? Like, what kind of language they're using? Do they tend to be overly positive or negative? Is dramatic. Mm -hmm. Dramatic. Yeah, that's, cause that's a lot of the worst that you see, I feel like, mm -hmm. are the, the people who are just... You can tend to tell if someone's going to be a liability... By what they're putting out there. On Facebook, for yeah. sure. And then good luck, um, you know, supervising that person. Ex or yeah. having yeah. A, have, trying to have a hard conversation because they don't want to look in the mirror. A lot of employment problems for companies end up being bad hires mm -hmm. and employees that just can't look in the mirror and accept any blame or responsibility. So it's somebody else's fault. It's yeah. Um, it's because I'm, you know, pick a protected category yeah. or, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not because, I'm no uh, problem. you know, I, yeah, I'm, you know, cussing people wrong. out every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's it. You make a great point. I mean, the more you can find out before somebody's in the door, the easier time you're going to have once they're there. Cause you're also looking at sort of a culture fit too, right? Like, Absolutely. Yes. It's like your movie question. Is. Mm. Yeah, that's our social media question. We have our own <laughs> culture fit questions. We do. That's what we should do as part of our hot seat. Yeah. Like a mock hyper chat interview. We should. And, ask and do some Can of you it. tell us a joke or sing us a song? Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was that's asked that. I was like, I sure could. Oh, you mean right now? Yeah. <laughs> we mean now. We asked that of the award winning comedian. <laughs> yeah, too. he told us a joke. I sure did. Um, well, obviously, you can't be an experienced lawyer without picking up a few interesting cases along the way. And here at Opening Statements, we want to break them wide open. That is right. So we're going to get right into it. Um, what would you say is the most interesting case or cases that you've worked on? I've actually given this a lot of thought, and maybe it's because I've been doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. And representing employers in employment cases, it's almost like a lot of it blends together over time like did i hear that in that case or was that somewhere else <laughs> yeah but there's a so there's a couple of kind of themes that, that i would I say like the um 
We that, love uh, a theme. Oh, good. Well, let's let's get theme. Get thematic. So, oh, I like that. So, <laughs> back in the, um, I used to do a lot of work with car dealerships. Okay. Um, and so this was it's you know so it's in employment defense yeah um, of car dealerships and it was back in the days before you had internet pricing where no haggle like everybody already knows how much everything costs yeah and there's really not very much to talk about when you go in to buy a car right it's yeah. just yeah. like can you afford it takes the car a do you want the car I take get the car yeah exactly but but back in the back in the day. You had to, when I was young, <laughs> uh, it was all a mystery. Yeah. And the, and the, you know, the employers held all the employers, the car companies, the uh, dealerships had all the information and the individuals didn't have any. Mm-hmm. And there were salespeople that were really salespeople. I mean, they were type A, um, anything for sale. You know, yeah. and also had carried that personality around with them in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and dealerships were a little bit different. They would, I, I used to do a lot in Florida. And for some reason, everything good happens in yeah. Florida. Everything. <laughs> Florida man. So in, uh, <laughs> for some reason in the day, car dealerships in Florida would hire um, very attractive very attractive women who sometimes it was their second job would be to work in a car dealership during the day. They had a I got you. They did have a nighttime they job. They had a nighttime job. But they would, so their job during the day was the to the be night. the front desk person uh-huh. at this at the car dealership. And the backseat people and the night. <laughs> oh, hello. It's my favorite 80s uh, detective film. <laughs> Um, and the so you have all these type A personalities. It was almost all male salespeople, right? Right. And then you had Fawn or Bambi, you know, with star. a star. Yeah, <laughs> two R's. <Yeah>. And, <laughs> and they were at the and they were at the front desk, and there was just it was a hive of activity, inappropriateness. And then let's throw on there holiday parties that were like, oh, my God, <laughs> holiday parties. Um, so, yeah, it, it, as soon as the holiday season ended, we knew we were going to get a call. get a rush of, yeah, of claims uh, is, because bad stuff would happen. I never thought about that being like a busy season for you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Holiday, like, yeah. holiday <laughs> party. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's working overtime. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Man the phones. Let's get a hotline. <laughs> So, um, I'm guessing it was harassment. Like, what? Yeah, was a lot of harassment. Um, also, a lot of there were a lot of claims of harassment that weren't really relationships would go bad. Oh, um, okay. Someone spouses would, would be find out spouses about. would find out, and so, oh no, I, That's I, that was unwelcome. I didn't. I wasn't. He made me do those things. So, I mean, how do you? Because that's kind of a sensitive. Topic, maybe more so now than it was then, but how do you combat that and make everyone feel like their feelings are heard? Yeah, that was then. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) different time. Though they were hard, 
cases to defend is when you're an employment lawyer, you're kind of parachuting into an existing workplace where people have these relationships with each other yeah, or not over, you know, years and years. And you have to go in and kind of try to figure out who's fudging what they're telling me because they're friendly with so-and-so mm-hmm. who's, you know, who's trying to hide what, um, what's really going on in here. And so there's a bit of sort of like detective-y kind of work, which yeah, I always yeah. liked about it, which was trying to get down to what was really going on versus what everybody is saying going on. And that could be on either side of that equation, right? Or maybe the yeah. truth was somewhere in the middle. But you just try to give the company the best advice that you can to maybe have it not happen again so much. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I think we can, as employment lawyers, we can really do some good is even if you walk into a bad situation or there's a a bad manager or um, a salesperson who is just a type A jerk, but they're your best salesperson. And so management will put up with a lot. Mm. That's where I think employment lawyers can really come in and make a difference. You can you bring in something from the outside to say, you're going to have this problem again and again and again until you deal with yeah. the underlying the underlying problem. How much is being the best salesperson worth to you in terms of people you're losing, claims you're getting, people who leave and you never know why they left? Yeah. The quiet quit. That's a, the topic right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. The silent quitting, ghost quitting. or But that's not actually quitting, though. That's just like leaving at five right that's the idea is the that quiet quit is yeah. you leave at five yeah yeah you just kind of like which i think is i mean we could probably go on a whole tangent <laughs> yeah absolutely that i have a yeah. lot of feelings about it but i'm like it is i mean it's, I, th- I think it one it's a cop out because you're not communicating whatever problem you're having and i don't think you i mean if, if your job is till five your job's till five so why do you think you're making a stance by stopping at five like if you're quiet quitting you're doing it because you're having an issue but you're not communicating your issue and you're expecting people to read your minds yeah well i definitely i i I, it spoke to me a little bit this is totally off topic but uh a previous employer i worked for would often like a few times a month be like well friday night saturday night you're gonna be there right and i'd be like well you know i have stuff to do so if i'm free i can but they'd be like that's not you know we need you there Hmm. we need you there and it's like I'm, I work like 50 hours for you a week. I like I can't have my Saturday nights. Like, come on, man. What is the rules around yeah. that? Depends on the kind of job. Like, if so, it's a salary job, like. If it's a salary job, you're paid for, however, what whatever it takes to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And that's a trade-off, right? Is um, as opposed to hourly, where you're clocking it in and clocking it out, and you really shouldn't be checking your email at night and answering things sure. and but this one was hourly and yeah. they they asked us to put in a lot of hours that we were just well, hopefully left. you were getting time and a half nope <gasps> that's a problem Danger oh. will robinson yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah the company if you tried to put in time and a half they'd be like don't do that you know that's you got to pay your dues well, dang, Evan, you oh an opportunity here. so yeah. for real before we come on i said well i don't know like it's not like anybody wants to talk about wage an hour but now we do no for yeah, sure every, i think that's everyone yes yeah Wow. Yeah. So salary job, you're paid for the job until the job is done. That is it. Yeah. Okay. Um, how has employment law changed the most over the last decade? 
I would say the last three years has probably changed yeah, a it lot. Has, right? Oh, yeah. A lot over the last three years. And a lot of it cycles with economic cycles. Yeah. Like, is it a good economy where people can pick up and leave easier? Mm-hmm. And that's, you've certainly, right, seen that in the last couple of years. But um, I would say one place it's changed is the employees are much more, feel much more empowered, it seems to me to speak up and raise issues, even if they're little issues. Yeah. And not just kind of take it and complain to their coworkers about it at lunch. But it, I, I think HR departments are fielding a lot of issues that are small and it's really interpersonal issues more than uh, issues that you're ever concerned are going to turn into, you know, um, a legal claim or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, that's where I. That's where I think there'd be, there'd be more. And the other issue where it's really changed is um, there is much more of a emphasis on mental health in the workplace, and yeah. you see it from the employee side where they are much more willing to you know, speak up and mm-hmm. advocate for themselves yeah. on mental health. And I think HR people are having to um, educate themselves more and more about how to protect people in, during those mental health situations um, and how to get people the help they need, um, what's real versus what's, you know, mm-hmm. what's convenient. You know, somebody is Every Monday they have a mental health issue, and well, that's yeah. just needing another day off. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, how do you handle that? Because, like, we're a small business. Like, we don't have HR. We are HR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My HR hat on today. <laughs> HR one day on Yeah. HR so, like, <laughs> how do you advise a company that is small on those types of issues? Like, what are, are we just supposed to be like, okay, yeah. Take that day off. Okay, yeah, yeah, that day is good too. Like, at what point do you draw the line as an employer, and you needing to come to work and be available and do your job? Like, where where do you do that? So, I mentioned earlier that as companies get larger, you have mm-hmm. more and more laws that apply yes. to you. That is somewhat where that comes into play, because for smaller employers in particular, you got to run your business and you need all hands on deck and you, you there is less um there's more latitude in handling things where people just need to be here or we'll find somebody who, who can. can be here right mm-hmm. um so but as you get larger there starts to be then it takes on more of a legal hue than just an interpersonal issue yeah and you also have to be careful as you get larger just that you're dealing with people um, somewhat equitably and looking at different situations mm-hmm. um, so you you know you go overboard for person a yeah. and you hold person B's feet to the fire and maybe person B has a disability or uh, just came back from maternity leave or you know something where you can find distinctions between the two. So trying to 
be equitable ac across treatment of um, employees. And the other thing I think is, particularly for smaller companies, mm -hmm. understanding the impact on the rest of the workforce from decisions you make with one person. person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that is actually pretty huge. And because especially in a small company, that's way more noticeable. You know, that uneven treatment, you know, good, bad, or indifferent of one individual probably makes way, it makes way more of an impact because it's easily to be seen sitting around a table than in a larger right. company where they, you know, are less likely to, right. to notice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then just different accommodations. I'm not using that in the legal sense, but yeah. um, that you make for people. Can you work from home? Can we have different hours? You know, what can we do to make sure you're still doing your job? And the the emphasis, particularly for smaller companies, on culture and the effect of that negativity or the the drain on culture that can come from a perception that someone is taking advantage and it's kind of being allowed to happen. Yeah. Well, can we unpack that just a little bit? <laughs> oh. Like. On the okay, let's just take remote work because that's something that a lot of and people. That's a hot topic. Yeah. It's a hot topic. We've seen lots of companies go fully remote right now. Um, how do you handle a company that maybe wants to be fully in the office, but you have an employee who yes agree to be fully in the office, but is like, I need to be remote now. What do you do? As long as you're not doing something for a discriminatory reason, or there's not a medical reason why they need to not be in the workplace, you, an employer, particularly in Georgia, can insist that everybody come in. And some are, and people that don't want to come in are quitting, find themselves looking for other jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you find it, you see it in varying degrees. Like, okay, you have to come in three days a week. Why? Well, I only want to come in two days a week. So, okay, you're going to look for another job, I guess. Uh, and it's what you become what you allow, right? So the yeah. more exceptions you make, then someday when you want to really enforce a policy, it gets really hard to do because sure. everybody's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I had a, um, a case many years ago. Ha, huh, one came back to me hey. um, in New York, and it was, um, it was a mechanic who was the slowest, like his whole career, the slowest mechanic, worked on the least things in their whole department. This was in New York City. And a new manager came in and he was like, how has this guy had a job for so long? We, you know, yeah. he needs to get his production up, 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 up. And so he starts enforcing it and eventually fires the guy and the guy sues. And basically his defense was, well, you guys never enforced this before. And you know what? A jury believed him. They said, okay, oh. well, that manager must have um, had it in for you because of your age, because you oh. were allowed to be, you know, a schmuck for a number of years and nobody That's cared. mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> right. What a, what a defense, what a place to hang your hat. Like, yeah. I've been awful for years. All of a sudden it's a problem. Like now <laughs> you hold me accountable yeah. for it? Like, what? That's crazy. Yep. I don't I, like the consequences of my actions, and I don't yeah. think it's fair. I have to be held to them. That's Thank you. Yeah. So that that case actually was one of the very, very few 
jury trials that I had. Most things in employment doesn't go to a jury. Okay. Um, so this was up in New York. It was in New York City. It was literally weeks before Christmas. And I always feel like that <laughs> played a part. Like yeah. it was weeks before Christmas and the jury gave this guy yeah. um, all this money. And I was up for partner that year in my last firm. And it was like literally the vote was like the, the week after this jury verdict came in. So I had to like call and say, yeah, by the way, I lost this, t- <laughs> lost this big case, but <laughs> who's going to stand up for me? Yeah. So you said most cases don't go to trial. Why? So an, a few big reasons. One is um, there's a lot at risk in a trial. In employment law, the um, employee doesn't have to pay for their lawyer. Their lawyer has the case on a contingency, like a think personal injury, but without an insurance company on the other side. And so if that employee wins, the employer has to pay the fees of the employee that the employee doesn't have to pay if the employee loses. So there is a lot at risk for an employer to go to trial. They not only have to pay me or a me or mm-hmm. two or three me's in the big case yeah. to um, take a case of trial, they risk having to pay for the other guy too. That's one reason. Another reason is that um, particularly here in Georgia, there's um, it's hard to get a case to trial. The federal judges will throw out a lot of cases. Um, yeah. on oh. on motion. So if you're a good writer and you take good depositions and get your facts in a row, you can not get to trial on some things or at least create I got you. Create the risk for the other side that's not going to go to trial that then they go, you know what, settlement might be something we ought to think about. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot more mediation um, going on now. So it's it's, that's when everybody kind of voluntarily says, let's get in a room and see if we can work this out. We'll get a professional mediator, and uh, let's see if we can agree on some certainty today instead of all the uncertainty of going to trial. Yeah. I have a plethora of questions. Same. I know. I keep, I keep looking over. I, I can see them. I, I know they're in my okay. eyeballs. Um, what is the biggest case you've worked on? Biggest case uh, were in terms of like dollars at risk. Um, Ooh. oh, we're well. like names involved. Uh, like, it's mm. like when was the last time know. you were in front of like, you go with your gut on but this one. I don't know. Like, what <laughs> <is> <laughs> Whatever big means to it. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you see Outback Steakhouse? Because I did mean, not. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, Darn. I mean, I don't know. Just like the biggest in terms of like steak. I guess. Like Outback Steak. Yeah, so a lot of times there's cases where if if you, and this is wage hours, one place where this comes up, is if the court buys the other side's argument on, for example, whether somebody should be exempt from overtime or not exempt from overtime, if they, if the court buys the other side's argument, that has all kinds of implications, not just for the actual person who's suing, but all the people who do that same or similar job 
that can be really, really expensive for a company. And you've maybe opened up that industry to now being sued more for that type of job. So I, I will say, I feel maybe one reason I don't litigate as much anymore is I feel a lot of pressure to not lose more than to win. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's relatable. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want, I, I don't like to disappoint. So the, the idea of, you know, having a jury come back and tell my client that the other side one is just that's heartbreaking for me yeah and that time period between when the jury's out and when they come back and you've already said everything you're going to say and you've put your evidence in and you forgot to say some of the things you wanted to say um and you you're second guessing yourself that is the longest time that i've ever had i could only an experience like because the die's already cast there's people in another room who are yeah. deciding yeah um like you don't you get know, to be wins. like hey i yeah. forgot one by the way one more thing <laughs> if i could yeah. pass a note back to the jury room <laughs> no sorry we send you the notes yeah, yeah. check your dms right. <laughs> um can we talk about two weeks notice because i the movie <laughs> i do know that movie sandra yeah. bullock hey. yes and love sandy Grant. Yeah. yeah love them both if you're listening, <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> no, but <Bill> Hugh. <laughs> we've talked about this. Like two weeks is standard, right? But two weeks is also not a lot of time for you to replace somebody. So can you as an employer be like, I want four weeks in my handbook and that has to be stuck by or is two weeks like a, a thing? Four weeks or what? What's the alternative? Like, I mean, I you can gonna, quit, but I need you for four weeks, not yeah. two. It's unless you have an employment contract with somebody, it's it's not indentured servitude. Like, they can leave; they don't have to give any notice. Oh. Two weeks, you can put it in a handbook, but two weeks is a courtesy. Okay, so the handbook and, is different than the employment and, agreement. Yeah, and that can go both ways, by the way, because there are a lot of people who say this place is, you know, it's lousy and i hate everybody here y'all are a bunch of crooks and i'm only going to work here two more weeks yeah are you really going to work i don't think so and we don't want i'm gonna phone it in yeah (laughs) yeah why don't we just do this why don't we say today's your last day yeah i feel Um, like that's more common yeah so because so that can work either way is for some positions employer wishes they had longer and you can negotiate for more like That's I'll, what I was gonna ask. I'll pay you what's like a stay on bonus or something yeah and if it's a if it's an amicable situation they might be willing to agree now what's the deal with their new job do they need them yeah like yesterday or can they can they kind of transition into it part of that is how much do people value their own reputation what kind of business are they in do they want to leave on good terms um, do they want the reputation of I left my company high and dry? Because, mm-hmm. and I know you're going to ask about this. I'll just jump into it. You can <laughs> you can say you know we don't give employment references, um, but companies know. You can kind of tell whether yeah. something ended badly or not, or somebody will say without saying that like 
Yeah. I, I, like, good yeah, luck to you if you're them. But I'm not person. telling you anything. Yeah. yeah. As long as you like them being late every day, it's great. <laughs> I feel like because we we get like calls, you know, periodically mm-hmm. to like verify individuals and in employment, and I've always been under that assumption that I'm not allowed to give my feedback if they didn't list me as a reference. I think even if they list you as a reference, you're not allowed to give feedback. Well, I, right? Like, they're I not allowed to call you for feedback. <laughs> Sometimes you want to. That's different. They're not allowed to ask you, right? I see. I thought they could ask. They can ask. Um, they can. Are they legally allowed to ask? Sure. I mean, I mean, it's it's just a conversation. They can, you can say no, mm, but you're not legally comp- required. to You're give not it. legally required to give it, and you're not, and like they don't have to ask for it, or they can, but you don't have to say. You don't have to say anything. Sometimes what you don't say is you've already told them. Um, what you can't do or what you could get into hot water for doing is if you say something that maybe could be proved not to be true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, they were a good employee except for, you know, the goats. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and the goats. So I don't, I don't know. I'm making that up. You might need to cut that out. So oddly but, specific. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. Going now I want to know about the goat. Oh, I'll tell you a goat joke after. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for our, yeah. our next segment. So in other words, if you say something to try to torpedo the person from getting the next job and it's you're saying things that aren't true, like mm. they stole from us and that's why we fired them, I wouldn't say that even if they stole from you uh, yeah. because the person who's going to steal from you it's also the person who's going to come back and sue you, yeah, um, for anything they can. They're already like off your payroll, like yeah, let them go. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So while you don't have to say anything, um, you don't also don't have to say nothing. Yeah, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, total sense. Yeah, that's a, okay. It's a lawyer yeah. answer. It depends. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. But I think that that helps because I yeah I was always like I thought it was just a hard no. You weren't allowed like unless mm-hmm. they. Like the candidates put you down as a reference, I thought you just couldn't say anything. So even if they were asking, and whether you wanted to say something or not, I was always under the impression you would just be like, "Yes, they verify their dates." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I thought same you thing. You know, whether it was good or bad, we have to figure out why we both think that way. Yeah, like who who lied to us? Who told us that? Who do we have in common? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who now, told us? Pull up LinkedIn. <laughs> it could be in a in a handbook, or there could be a policy saying. It's our policy not to give references. And in that case, you probably want to go by your policy mm. uh, and do dates of employment, last position held, you know, that kind of stuff. That kind but of stuff. Okay. Um, that's if you have a policy. Now, a lot of times an, a company can use that as a good reason slash excuse not to give a reference. Say, well, it's our policy not to give them. Yeah. Mm. And then sometimes the new company can read into that and go I right hmm, I would it, or you just don't want to tell me anything yeah. about this person I'll pass about them yep. and their goats yeah. this is coming back to haunt you by the way yes yeah I'm never thinking that <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hyperchat Social the attorney social media marketing agency from branding to lead generation we have experts specializing in all areas of digital marketing and we're ready to help you take your practice to the next level contact us today at 877-359-3399 or book a free consultation online at tryhyperchat.com 
That's T-R-Y-H-Y-P-E-R-C-H-A-T dot com. Here at Opening Statements, we not only value the stories, but we also value the lessons. We try to foster a good learning environment for all of our loyal fans. That is correct. We want to teach people the things that you can't pick up from just reading a book, but things you only learn from actually being a lawyer. So... What do you think is the most valuable thing you have learned from? I mean, you've probably done lots of cases. I was going to say, think about the the car dealership case. Yeah. From, you know, back in the holiday season. (laughs) (laughs) What was one of the most valuable things you think you took away from that? That I would never want my daughter to work at a car dealership. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say it's car sales, guys. That's valuable. (laughs) That is. So for my next question, <laughs> how would you up? apply that to yeah. future cases? <laughs> uh, you know, w- good lessons that I've learned um, from watching some of these uh, situations unfold is a lot of them could have been kept at small problems if there was communication. Mm. But mm. people are afraid to say the wrong thing or don't yeah. like to give um, hard feedback, radical candor, right? So don't like to tell the employee that they could improve in area X, Y, Z, and they let it build up, and then they fire them, and the employee's like, what? I had six years of positive performance reviews. And I get in, and I look, and I'm like, they had six years of positive performance reviews. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but didn't you see in there I was really, like, subtly saying they were bad? Subtly? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It must be super subtle. I'm not seeing yeah. it. Yeah. It's a little too subtle. Yeah. The jury is not going to catch your subtlety in there. But so, good, yeah. you know, the more open you can be as an employer to have the conversations, give people solid feedback without beating on them. Yeah. Yeah, that positive. Yeah. Do you ever see a situation where an employee is it ever the employer suing someone? Yeah. Oh, I feel like. Do you think like the defamation or you know whatever they're doing on like social? I feel like that would be the biggest thing. Yeah. To go after. I was like, can you give us some like examples? Yeah. Bad talk <laughs> from the company. You yeah, know? that's a good one. That would be one thing. Or you, they could maybe they leave your company and they take your client list with uh, them okay. or they start, they have an agreement and they start calling on all your customers mm. or they, and uh. they tell your customers that like you're about to go under. So you should really <gasps> send your business to me. Yeah. Um, those would be situations where a company might file suit. Other than that, it's probably more small potatoes. Like the, employee had an outstanding loan to the company and they okay. left without paying it back or gotcha they, they took the the, they, the company computer with them oh, that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that happens a lot okay so in the cases where an employee is suing is it do they does the employee ever stay at the company like is it it's, it's unusual and it's super weird when it happens i just had a case also in new york i'm like New wow. York, or Florida is yeah. your weird one. Yeah. yeah, where the, do you even live here? The guy. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Sometimes I wonder. That's why I don't litigate as much anymore. <laughs> now I'm here. Um, where the employee sued and stayed employed and made everybody's life miserable and did just enough not to get not to give the company a reason to fire him because they would need a pretty legitimate reason. Um, and then you hope in a case like that that 
when you resolve it, if you ever get to the place of resolving it, you say, we want your resignation in connection with settling this, or we're not going to, mm-hmm. we're not going to settle it. We're going to keep fighting it. And there's also an undercurrent to that of how bad can this place really be and the employer really be because you're still there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Huh. Is that harder to sell to like a jury or something? If it's like, well, they're still here. So that can be harder to sell to a jury. The other side of the coin is every day they're there, they, they have access to people who are the witnesses on the other side right? by virtue of doing their job. It makes it very hard. It makes it very hard on all sides because you're in the middle of the case and all of a sudden the lawyer on the other side, this is me typing. Well, we'll <laughs> I can, oh, all right. Now I'm picking it up. Yeah. He was bouncing. No, actually, <laughs> I, that's not true. This is me typing. <laughs> Where is um, that S? Yeah. Can we move it? Chicken pecker. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. much. We'll send an email saying, this boss looked at my guy funny today and you're retaliating against him. It's like, oh, just leave, just leave. <laughs> Is it a better situation for an employer when the employee quits versus them having to fire them? Yes, usually. Yeah. Usually it's better for the employer that way. Um, They may have a hard time getting unemployment. Mm -hmm. um, And unemployment generates evidence because both sides have to, like, give some information in Mm – they, if they, a lot of times somebody will quit and they'll say, well, you made my working environment so difficult that you basically forced me out, even though I left, um, I couldn't have stayed and no mm. reasonable person would have stayed employed. But that's a harder standard. I'd much rather have defend a case where somebody quit yeah. um, than where they where we had to let them go. I got you. Now, I, you I didn't have the evidence, but yeah, that was that's almost like the retaliation of like silent quitting is the silent firing. You know where yeah the way they do almost the same where they just I'll make you quit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know they'll they'll do everything but throw you a life raft. Of, you know yeah. Um, okay. What is the most valuable piece of advice that you would give to like an up and coming lawyer just getting out of law school in this? employment law field so an up-and-coming lawyer they've already made the mistake of going to law school yes <laughs> yes they have I can't, I can't they, they are coming out and they have picked employment law as their focus <laughs> yeah. um the the best advice i could give would relate to understanding their personal brand mm-hmm. and that it's not the importance of being authentic and being true to yourself in what you what you do and what you present and in what you allow to happen because there are people in our field who are just like in any field, I guess, are miserable human beings and they take it out on the next generation because the last generation took it out on them and um, they fight with every opposing counsel and they, you know, they petty, they're petty and they're um, bad with staff. Um, I would tell people model yourself after the good behaviors that you see and don't think that the way somebody's doing it, even though that they're your boss or maybe even in some ways your mentor, that mm-hmm. that's the only way to do it. Mm. You got to do it 
you have to do it your own way, and particularly in litigation. That's very hard. That's good. You're not going to make me sing. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was like fine. Have it your head. way. <laughs> so you people can to. model. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were the, getting it. You know, you can model bad behavior just like good behavior, yeah. and then you've turned into. You haven't elevated the profession. You've turned into that person that fights with all the lawyers on the other side and, you know, uh, makes excuses. And um, I just don't think it's good for personal brand slash mental health to try to be somebody you're not. Yeah. yeah. And so there's there are enough good role models out there and enough positive that you can take to where if you can just create your own brand that's the best of yourself and you can learn things from other people some of it's like boy i'm never going to do that yeah <laughs> if i'm in that nope. opportunity where i'm you know in charge of a junior lawyer i'm not going to be a jerk to them i'm going to actually um i'm going to you know acknowledge that they have a personal life right and yeah. maybe weekends uh, can be theirs unless we need it so yeah so I like I'd say be authentic and model the good behaviors, and there's always other situations. So don't keep yourself in a, in a situation that's emotionally draining, abusive, because you think that's like the practice of law or even worse for a paycheck. Yeah. I like that. We have so many good, good lawyers who are like good people, you know. Yeah. I just want one that's like, yeah, man, live fast, die young, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Something, right? I'll make some introductions. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> you should set us up with one of those. Yeah, Don't please. tell us that's what you're setting oh, up. Right. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell them either. No. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening, it's not you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So we have one last segment on the show. Um, it's a segment that puts you in the hot seat. Um, we call it our, you know, closing arguments. Yes. Well, are you, you guys get this smile on your face and this twinkle in your eye like, this is why we do the podcast. <laughs> the vibe of the room changes. It really did, yeah. noticeably. Yeah. Is it getting a little in warmer here? in here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, obviously... It is um, Plead the Fifth that we are playing here. We're going to ask you three hard-hitting questions. And you can only pass or plead the fifth to one of them, which means you have to answer at least two, honestly. Okay? Are you ready? Is that one of three questions? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yes. That one does not count. (laughs) I like the fact that, like, two or three episodes we gave up on like the ploy that like hey this game we're playing this week I know this is so much fun <laughs> it is so much fun we have other options but we pick this one every time yeah yep. okay so have you ever gotten through a case and realized that you agree more with the employee and I need an example because these yes and no questions are not cutting it I need <laughs> I need more the answer is definitely yes. I'm mm. just trying to think of what a good example would be. There's, look, I mean, the employer is not always right. The side that's paying me is not always right. Uh, just like right. the employees aren't always right. Um, and I can't, I can't think of an example. So I'm not pleading the fifth because the answer is definitely yes. Mm-hmm. And 
let's put a pin in that. And if I think of an example, I'd like to come back to that. Well, let me ask a follow up. What do you do? Right. You get halfway through and you're like, "Ooh, if I had had all these details, I would not have taken this case. Like you do your best or do you drop it? No, that's no reason not to take the case. No, it's not Um, his job. You set expectations. Yeah, I would set expectations with the client that this is not going to end well for you. Yeah. And (laughs) what's going to happen is six months from now, you're going to have paid me for six more months of work and these facts are not getting any better. Facts are and facts. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna, they're, they're sticky little things. Yeah. And you're going to end up mad at me. And I've had, I've had plenty of clients who didn't like the advice I gave them. And but that, that's the reverse situation of the employee who can't mm-hmm. look in the mirror is the sure. company who thinks they don't do anything wrong or I'm paying you. So, um, you know, just, just win, baby. Well, I need something to work with here. <laughs> I need better facts. Yeah. yeah. But don't make any up. No. Please yes, don't no, make any up. That's, that's not what we're saying. Yes. Um, what is the worst state to be a business owner in? California. Is it really? Yeah. Even like wow, it was fast. I thought that uh, was going to be tough. I, thought I, was like, mm, I don't know. Maybe. I knew it wasn't Georgia. I feel like no. Georgia is one of the better states. Uh, Georgia is one of the better states. Yeah. So. I apologize. It wasn't particularly hard hitting. No, but you guys no. wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know that California is very, very employee friendly to the point of being somewhat ridiculous. Like unfair oh. to the employer. Yeah. If I were to open a, I mean, we have lawyers in California, but that's professional. That's one thing. But if I were to have line employees or hourly employees, I would not. Pick that stuff. I would not pick California if I had any way to avoid doing it. Hmm. It's just very difficult. They have daily overtime. They have all these crazy rules about um, how you how you pay people. About um, now, there's um, these pay transparency rules where when you post for a job, you have to say what the salary range for that job is. And if you post, this is still being worked out, but if you, you're in Georgia, your company in Georgia, and you post for a position that is um, virtual, so it could be done anywhere, California would say, well, if you're getting applicants in California, you have to disclose what the um, pay range is for that job. Oh. Well, why should I tell you what the pay range would be in California yeah. and publish that when I might get somebody in Alaska? And yeah. like that'd be a little different that, pay range. I was going to say that would be yeah. a different. So they just make things very difficult for employers. And the, so the there's not much of a counterbalance there. Hmm. The taxes are very high. and It's going to fall off eventually. Yeah. It's just going to break away and sink into the ocean anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's well, San Andreas Fault. Dang. <laughs> thank God for that global warming. That tells you what. Breaks off California. Okay, final right. question. And that's why California employers need really good legal counsel. There it is. There we go. Yeah. Plug, shameless. Yeah. yeah. Shameless. I'm not admitted to practice, so <laughs> it wasn't very shameless. <laughs> Kind of shameful. Yeah. I mean, think about, I mean, I had to call a spade a spade. Yeah. Let's it. <laughs> All right. Tell us about the goats. Will you tell us about the goats? Well, now you asked that. And it's yes a question. No. But you made it a yes or no. You did. You have to do I, the not on the record. I will not. Oh, all right. On the record, you won't tell us about the goats? I will, off the record, tell you the goat joke when we're finished and my beer is finished. So you're pleading the fifth. <gasps> yes, I am. <gasps> 
<laughs> nice. I'm so not impressed with that question. You wow. It was like, what you, a waste. You, that was a bolt. great like series of deposition questions where you reeled me in and then you hit me with it. I, there was uh, I've watched Legally Blonde a time or two. There was nothing <laughs> I could yeah. do. Mm-hmm. The perm. Yeah, I got it. The goats. All right. Oh oh, wow. Thank you so much for joining us on our episode of the Opening Statements podcast. Yes. Thank you. Guys, you guys, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, we so appreciate it. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah, thank you. We are totally in We Evan wasn't lying. We are waiting on a dud. We haven't had one we yet. We haven't had no. one yet. No. We have not had one. It's going to be really sad, though, the day that we end the episode and we don't say that. You you were the dead. we're like, thank you for coming on. Thanks. We'll see you. But I've only been here 10 minutes. Right? And how rich those 10 minutes were. Yes. 10 minutes, I'll never get back. Thank you so much. All right. Well, everyone, if you guys have enjoyed this episode, you can check us out at HyperChat Social. We are on all the social medias. And remember to give us a five-star review everywhere that you can listen to a podcast. We will catch you next time. Case Case closed. closed.